Welcome to Corporate Caffeine. I'm Dacia Coffee. As a chief marketing officer, speaker, author, copywriter, and three-time entrepreneur, I've learned a thing or two about influence and impact in the business world. So I want to share with you what I've learned about how to be heard, be seen, and be successful, and introduce you to the people I've met along the way who learned how to unlock their potential. Mark and Debbie Fratto, so excited to welcome you guys to the Married with the Business edition of Corporate Caffeine. <laughs> we have been looking forward to this one for a while. As have so we. have we. Absolutely. She's been talking about it and bragging it up, going, you've got to get on here and do a podcast. Let's have the Frattos over. I was like, right away, let me get comfortable <laughs> doing this whole thing. Deep She's end, used baby. to it. Jump She's in the, the deep pro. end. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll put it out there. Okay, so you guys have been RVing recently, yes? We have. It seems like every time we go to Florida, something happens and we get to stay there for a while. So we missed the whole snow, ice. We were in 80 degrees. Bravo. Yes, we, we just keep getting lucky. <laughs> no kidding. We were so blessed to have first world problems during the storm here. So no pipes burst. And, you know, when you have no water and no lights, you drink wine by candlelight. So that's what we did is play cards. You suffered. Right out the storm. <laughs> exactly. So we were super, super lucky. Yeah. So how long, when you go RV and how long do you stay out for? Well, the first first time was COVID. So we left in March. And yeah. we didn't come home until June or July. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, they, they nice. uh, closed the office. So it said work from home and... So <laughs> we just stayed on the road. <laughs> nice. Okay, yeah. so where did you go? Uh, at the same time, we went over and saw friends in Houston and Kima, and then through Louisiana and down in Mississippi and saw friends in Florida, and then kind of repeated that. And we got run out of Galveston as the COVID ramped up because Harris County was being cautious. Right. Mm. And ended up in Kerrville and spent, gosh, at least a month in Kerrville. Oh, yeah, we oh nice. Almost two months. Nice. It actually came up in your neck of the woods and stayed at a little place across from the speedway. Yeah. And then oh, went yeah. Down onto Sandy Lake because I think we were trying to make it. I don't remember now. There was some number of days we were trying to hit. It just seemed like a good round number. <laughs> so we, we stayed around here for a little bit before we came back home. Oh, that will be so cool. I cannot wait till we're at the point where we're like, you know what? The traveling, we can't end on an odd day. We just need to stay on the road two more days. This we could exactly. speed that up if you want. <laughs> Kyle's yeah. biggest, I don't know, daydream is getting a truck or, no. you know, some sort of van and converting it into, you know, one of those adventure things. And so, yeah, we kind of geek out on kind the of YouTube minimalist. videos. Yeah. yeah I go exactly. down the rabbit hole a little bit. Yeah, know. call us if you do that. Especially with the mountain biking. I like outdoor fly fishing and that. And that way I could get right up to where I need to go, stay you know, you don't have to plan anything. I could get down with that. Not forever, but for a year. Yeah. I could we'll do it. See. <laughs> I know. There are a lot of people that are that have RVs and then they'll tow something that's more like what you're talking mm -hmm. about and they'll yeah. leave the RV in a more of a populated area and then take their excursion vehicle out further into the wilderness. Yeah. Well, you know what, especially since we're talk talking traveling, you guys have to tell the story about sailing. Because in the middle of your, you know, full-blown career, all of this, the kids are young, you guys decide, you know what, we want to live on a boat, right? It, it's funny. Because I've got to, I don't think I've ever heard the full story. Last week I was in a meeting and the, the icebreaker was, oh, what was your favorite year of your life? 
and uh, it was easy for me, so I went first, and it was 1996, and it was the year that Mark came home from work and said, uh, you know, Brian's going into high school, he's going to get a car, he's going to get a job, he's going to get a girlfriend, and I'm never going to get to spend the kind of time with him that I would like to, let's do this. And so um, we quit our jobs and shipped the boat to the water and um, had a year, almost a year with the boys, just the four of us in a very small spot. Oh very my small gosh. Space. Yes. No kidding. Okay. So the oldest was in ninth grade yes. or going into ninth grade. And then how old were the other two? Uh, we have two. And so the or youngest tar- was two, sorry. in seventh grade. Got it. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. So had you guys been talking about this prior to Mark coming home and going, babe, let's go. Not really, but we've, we've had boats since I could walk. Yeah. And we had a lot of friends on the lake that were beginning to consider that. And there's one couple that had better better resources. <laughs> and we had gone with them to a boat show, and they were working on it. And we were just on the airplane coming back from the boat show. And exactly. we don't you do travel with a calculator? we're an engineer I was going to say that's definitely an engineer thing and so we we got out the calculator and a pad and it's like you know what we could do this I mean if we rent the house and we sell the cars we could do this oh that is so cool so how long between the decision and launch oh I was couple months so that's just the daydream where you're on vacation or whatever and you just go you know what that would be so fun just to live here or whatever. And you kind of really do it. Yeah. You know, you pull the plug and so awesome. cash it in. So what about the boys schooling that? Now, you're on a lake, so you enrolled them. We, we homeschooled. Uh, homeschooled them? Okay. We did meet with our teachers and ask, this is what we're going to do. How yeah. do we get them reintegrated and not have an issue? And they yeah. gave us some programs that they would or, that they thought were acceptable. And we went. That is awesome. Okay, so what ended up happening with the careers? What did you leave? What did you come back to? Did it disrupt anything? What were the decisions? I don't think when we left, uh, we still had the option to go back where we were. We were both working at the same engineering firm. And then when we got back, it was it just made perfect sense just to do our own thing. I mean, after, after you've done that, um, it's hard to imagine going back to the same, oh, the same routine. And yeah. so that's when we started our own company it's a way different lifestyle even than rvs the the people on the water are very different the speed on the water is different (laughs) okay what do you mean the pace yeah of life i mean even if you have an rv you still have a car you go to the grocery stores you you drive where you want you do what you want if you're on the boat you know five knots is a is a whopping day at least in in a smaller boat like we had and you don't have a car so you land in a marina, and if there's somebody nice, they may take you to a grocery store, or you walk, and it might be a hundred yards, or it might be five miles. Right. And you bring the food back. You find some ice because well, we were on a budget. We didn't have refrigeration. We had ice. Nice. Yeah. So when you come back, there's a whole reset really in the way you view yeah. the world. And gosh, I can remember the first time we got on the highway and we were probably driving 40. <laughs> I bet. And everybody else, and we're, and we're worried about 40 and everybody else is driving 80. Do I remember yeah. how Instead to Instead of being a seasick, you're a car sick. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, basically. You know. So, 
there was kind of a reset and we looked at some of the things going on in the corporate world and we looked at things going on with the company we were working with and we decided we couldn't do that. Yeah. So what was the ramp up into entrepreneurship for you guys? I mean, obviously, engineering now, now, firm. Okay, what? I was going to say, you haven't even talked about... Yeah, what they this do. This is Mark Fratto, engineers. I know. <laughs> we're, I was, we're I was like assuming that we're going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I know. Yeah, hang in there, everybody. <laughs> All two people. <laughs> no, obviously, engineering firms. So you, you guys opened your engineering firm, and what roles did you play? What were you thinking? You know, how long did it take up? When we got home, we did go back to work for the firm that we'd been with before and had a, um, a very friendly separation. He nice. had multiple yeah. offices and he just covered our position where we were and, and uh, it, was, it was ideal. And it was not very long after, after we got home. We just, um, we just didn't fit where we unplugged from. We didn't fit back in. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being independent, so independent for a year just you i mean you don't get away from anything and you your whole world evolves around you and your family and that's it i mean to come in and sit in a meeting with 10 people you, you know, have to show up at the same time every day a year later and put long pants on yeah, yeah right? <laughs> right my what, shoes my, my flip-flops i've got three pair of flip-flops exactly yeah exactly yeah, we didn't do flip-flops on boats. No. Good, good way to fall off. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know. They, they, they came along wearing flip-flops uh, recently, you know. I've got a kayak. It's no motor. We can't live on the kayak, though. No. No. Yeah, fun with it, though. I, I like the, the peacefulness of a kayak. And it's everything's deliberate. You know, wherever I want to may go fishing... I have to be deliberate, spend my time there longer rather than people just zooming in and out. Really like it. Okay, so working backwards, by the time you guys sold or transitioned the business just recently, how many how many people were on your team? Um, highest I think was twenty twenty four. Wow, well, in the mid twenties. Yeah. Okay, so growing an engineering firm too, somewhere in the mid twenties. Reverse that back. Was it just the two of you? Did you find people? I mean, like, what did those early years look like going on on your own? We, we started it together as, as the concept, what we're as a team, but Deb didn't really work there in the, in the very beginning. And it, I think it was the two of us and the good Dr. Poindexter, who was like a third father to us. Nice. And we went to the Gosh, I don't even know what it was, like a Staples or a, one of those business places that's out of business now. And they're like, God, you think we could afford folders, the hanging folders? You know, <laughs> yes. So it, it really didn't start there. And we had a couple of clients. You know, it's this very much relationship business. Yeah. So you yeah. really started from ground zero it's financially our, as well, absolutely. basically. I mean, you know. Well, we we just come back from a year of no work, right? And, and uh, no, we didn't have any money. Mark and our oldest son built, uh, did all the wiring on the computers that we bought. They built the computers and they what? They cranked oh, the wiring. That's wow. fantastic. Every, yeah, every, save every little corner, everything, no, everything yes. you could. We we borrowed a little bit. We 
we were fortunate enough to have been running an office for some other folks. And so we kind of had a, a good understanding, I think, of how the finance side worked or the financial mm -hmm. side. Yeah. And we've always been somewhat of no debt people, not to the degree that we evolved into. Right. Uh, so we were cautious financially. We did borrow a little bit of money, but we knew what we felt like the cash flow would be coming in and we knew what we thought it would take to run it. And we knew how long we wanted to pay that debt off, which was less than a year. That was the original goal. Yeah. So we really designed the note and the business around how fast we thought we could turn it. Yeah, year's great. You know, everyone usually shoots. You hear the golden number being three to get out of your debt if you are to finance a business to begin with. Or that's what I've always been told or heard. And yeah, when I started my business, um, I was going to ask how long. Of, I can't remember. Well, I kind of leveraged it as in the the assets I bought, the equipment I bought. I could I always had the mindset as in I could sell them for what the money is I had in them. Right, because it's attractive. Yeah. Company. So and then the cash flow part, I just tried to pay cash for everything. I I didn't borrow. I didn't use any equity for payroll or anything. I had that cash. I only borrowed on my assets, and um, you know that was nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we cash flowed we the beginning of the marketing blender. Yeah, so yeah. I just worked really crazy weeks and yeah, and Mr. I was Mom working as well. Year. Yeah, when I started my business, a little different though. You were at home with three young babies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know exactly. So okay, so we started the married with the business sessions because especially when Kyle started going to the speaking engagements with me, the second an audience would realize, oh. Her husband's in there and he's a part of the business. The number one question I got over and over was like, so you guys work together? How do you do that? And yep. it did not matter what the topic was. It did not matter the audience. It didn't matter if it's engineers and, or pastors yeah. or students. Did not matter. Uh, and that was the question that came up behind the scenes, on from stage. And so when the podcast came up, I thought, all right, babe, I think we're just going to have to go ahead go and talk to, about I would just this. be there to record. I mean, I'm not a speaker, by all means. Um, and they're like, oh, you're her husband. And it would, it, even to me, just being on the side over there, the questions would come up. She's like, hey, I think we had, when we do a podcast, you're going to be on it with me. I'm like, how's this going to work? I'm not a marketer. I can do all the back end stuff, you know, the boring financials, HR, the operation type of guy. And um, she goes, oh, it'll be fine. And so I guess you guys are the, the, the fourth people we've had on. Yeah, it's early. Yeah, it's very early, but I've enjoyed it so far. I know. <laughs> so I'm going to flip it on you guys. What is it like to be married and run a business together and be entrepreneurs and you guys have done it for a long time. So, you know, how does it work? What have you learned? By making sure it's ladies first, <laughs> even in Maybe. the workplace Maybe. or even working with your wife. Okay. But you've got to give examples of what you mean by that. I'm sure she will. <laughs> ah, good, good yes. answer. Can't go wrong by letting her answer that. All right. Deb, ladies <laughs> yep. first. I really don't remember much conflict. Um, we were pretty much on the same page about a lot of things. There, there were some issues um, that stressed um, that stressed our communication. I'm not going to say our relationship, right. but I would say it yeah. stretched it stressed our communication, uh, mostly around staffing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was the yeah. problem. Uh, but 
there's never been an issue in the office. I I think there could be people in the office for weeks before they would realize that we were married, when they noticed that you both had the same last name, you know, on when you signed something, Uh, but they wouldn't necessarily know we, that we were married. That's amazing. The new people did not when they first came. Yeah. I think in hindsight, as we, as we learned more about leadership and got involved with more great people, Dave Ramsey's leadership team, I noticed Patrick Lencioni over there. Oh, of course. (laughs) I still listen to Dave Ramsey. Uh, his just um, his leadership yeah. and his business oh, is phenomenal. It's amazing. And of course, I love everything Patrick ever wrote. Yes. So as we got into that and we we began to learn more about leadership, then we realized that through various assessments like DISC, that mm-hmm. I was a high C and Deb was an I, and we we began to to make sure that we divvied up some of our responsibilities according to that. And that's so smart. And it worked. And even now, I, I don't know if you've taken his latest one, the, the genius. I have not. Oh you sent it to me and I still haven't done it. I'm glad you reminded me. God, it's fantastic. So even that, then we, we find that we've, we've split ourselves up appropriately because I am uh, my top two. There's six things that come out of that. And my top two are tenacity, which means you like to see things get finished. Uh huh. And D, meaning that you're a discerner. Oh, nice. So um, if somebody invents something or brings something to you, I'm the guy that would more than likely look at that and say, uh, I'm not sure this is going to fly, or holy cow, where has this mm-hmm. been for our life? And that's not Deb. That can cause communication problems between us, which right. we've mm-hmm. kind of figured out how to work on over the years, but we didn't really understand why until... What, 30 days ago? (laughs) (laughs) Where is this assessment then? (laughs) So Deb, on the other hand, is a galvanizer and an enabler. And, you know, like some of Patrick's stuff, you know, the words don't always fit. The hungry, humble, and smart. Right. Smart's not intelligent. Smart is people smart. Right. So enablers kind of like that. But uh, galvanizing and enabling really are the people that are capable of working more behind the scenes you know they want to coalesce a team together they want to move a team forward they don't have to be the the type d guy that wants to take all the credit they're just somebody that actually makes this thing work and happen they're almost a glue and that's every bit of deb yeah but those people communicate different than the discerners you know like why why are you always so negative i'm not negative i'm just thinking out loud about what the problem is. <laughs> so, unfortunately, neither one of us... One I, of can other... <laughs> I can relate. I can relate. She tells me that all the time. Why are you so negative? I'm like, it's not negativity. I'm just thinking this process out. and In my mind, it's not going to work. I'm telling you. Exactly. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not so, telling you what you need to do, just telling you what I think. There you go. Yeah. My favorite phrase is, why not? <laughs> I don't really yeah. expect it to be answered, and he thinks that's a real, <laughs> real question. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so neither one of us, interestingly enough, are inventors. Those are the people that just dream solutions up. Yeah. We yeah. tend to be modifiers or tweakers of solutions, not the initiators of them. Yeah. And uh, Deb's not a tenacity person. That's her lowest score on that. So she's not necessarily a closer. She's just a pusher. And I'll help you close. I'm not going to do it. But I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, I think we just got lucky to some degree in 
working through that before we really knew what it was. Yeah. And being able to separate the fact that the relationships in a lot of cases were mine, they were engineering based, and yet the the glue behind the team that made that happen was Deb. That's so cool. So Deb could be in the office and be that glue and and with her eye type personality from the disc assessment and really help just create an incredible family environment that people wanted to be part of and are still a part of to this day. That's awesome. Yeah. And I got to be a little a little more to myself, a little more on that discerning side and continue to develop the relationships with the folks that didn't mind if I was that way. Yes. <laughs> and so we had a really nice split. And I think we worked really, really hard, or at least I, maybe you didn't have to work hard at all. I had to work really hard <laughs> at making sure there was a, a line between that yeah. side of the business and my side. And we we rarely went over there and harassed each other about the yeah. other side. I, I think we did a good job of staying on our own side of the fence. Yeah. yeah it's really... Um Nice to be able to identify your strengths and weaknesses and being able to delegate them back and forth and just leave them alone. Because um, when, when she first started, you know, it took me, what, five years before I came on board mm -hmm. fully? Yeah. And so we would have the weekend conversations all the time. So I knew everything about the business, what I was going through financially, like you said, hiring people, all those things. And... Um, so she would throw the whole business at me. And then when I came on board, I'm like, hold on a second. Like, we just need to have the discussions that involve, we can save these same ones for the weekend, but this is like Monday through Friday right now. I've got stuff that I need to do. Leave, leave that alone. I've got it. You go do this. And that took a while. It did. To, for her to give those things up that she was used to doing or not being involved so much or what, what exactly are you doing over there? Yeah, you know, no, rather than just doing a checklist. Yeah, that would be hard to let Yeah, go. yeah. Um, and also not asking you to do things that didn't make sense for his personality. Yeah. At first, though, because we had to live and learn through that. We did. We really yeah. did. Just because I'm looking around at, okay, there are these things that are not getting handled. Babe. Like, I trust you. You got this right. He's yeah. like, what? No. Yeah. You know, I mean, it might take a week for me to learn how to just. <laughs> I, was, I listened to a podcast with yeah. Lencioni and some of his folks when they were talking about the genius. And part of the way he got into that is he was being very, he was very frustrated with some aspects of his business, even though he's. Guru. Yes. yes. You look up leadership and he's there. Yes. And he's like, why am I frustrated? Well, he was, he's actually the inventor. He's that guy. Right. He's not a, a galvanizing guy. Isn't and that yet, interesting? Because it's his business and that's what he's supposed, I mean, he feels like that's what he's supposed to be doing and he hates it. So if you're, if, there's six of them and the top two are things you like doing the middle two you could do in a pinch you know it's not going to hurt you but if you're doing the two on the bottom you're just not happy camper yeah and so he's being asked to do that so in this interview there's a young kid and they just hired him he's like 20 something years old but he's a galvanizer and so they all sat down with him and said you're here to make this team go he's like Wait, you're Patrick. I'm showing <laughs> exactly. it to you. Yeah. What? Yeah, what where are you I'm going? Here to learn yeah, that's something you need to tell us. Like, no. <laughs> Here's the idea. You yeah. go get the team and make it happen. And so I think you're right. Once you figure that out, that separation, yeah. 
And if you can play in your own sandbox, yeah, I, I, it's just easier. And I think we got lucky. And neither one of us are D's. You know, I'm not sure yeah. how that plays with a with a shoot first aim later. Agreed. That might be more difficult. Yeah, that because you you have so much more emotion. Because I um, wonder about your you yeah. we have you taken your disc profile? I don't know yeah, yours. I have. I've always assumed you were a D, but then I'm a high yeah. I, and I go to D in stress. But without her personality on that team. You'd never have anybody push back. That's, they would just that's go with so the flow and pay the consequence later. Which is kind of what yep. Lincioni did with the genius. Yeah. He, they're looking at that saying, if I don't have one of these six people, yeah. I can't have a team because I've got yeah. such a huge hole. Yeah. So any of those systems, I think, yes, you do. You've got to have the person step up to ask the questions in, in, any, in anything you do. From different from different perspectives. Yeah. Yes. Good point. I mean, the accounting guys can ask questions, but their yeah. questions will be from a totally different platform than Deb's. Yes, that is so cool. So whatever system it is, I I encourage any business, no matter where they are in their lifeline, to to pick one that talks to them because that yeah. there's so many and they don't all talk to you. Yeah. Pick one that talks to you and learn it and use it because I think for us it was. I, I think we did much better the second half of our firm as we became better leaders and we got introduced to some of these folks in these systems and then uh, made it a conscious effort to introduce it to the whole staff and make the staff play with us in yeah. those systems. I, I think we did much, much better. You learned, how, you learned how to run a business rather than working for your passion. I mean, it's two things because when she started off, she, she was so passionate about marketing and in there was a frustration, I guess about four years in, that I noticed where I'm like, well, you're losing your passion because you're so worried about business now. Yeah. And I was like, you, she even has a degree in business, but, you know, loves marketing so much. She's like, this isn't why I started this. But you now that's shifted. So it's now it's shifted mm -hmm. to where she can go back to her. She pushed all those things on me because that's what I like to do. Well, now I'm ready to get back in, not back yeah. in, to be a business Builder, not no, a grower of your passion. Yes, yes, good point. No. Yeah, I know. I think we're just using yeah. different words, but big, yep, mm -hmm. big difference there. Yeah, you got. Are you guys still involved with the business at all? Or are you totally out of it? I'm about forty hours a month. <laughs> <laughs> nice. This well, that's still a week. I, yeah, you know, it's it's too hard. I, I, now, do you work on projects, or do you <laughs> sit on the board? I mean. Um, I I actually am more of a I think a safety net or a mentor. Okay. To some of the senior staff that, yeah. from time to time, struggles with decisions being made at a corporate level. Yeah. Mm. Are you Debbie? I am not full time. I'm going to say I'm just barely under thirty hours a week, mm. and I I could stay there for the rest of my life. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I didn't think I would ever love anything like what we had, but this is so different, and there and there's more people. Do you still need to be part of it though, or, or are you need? like no? Yeah, just to have. I don't know. Just you for haven't given heart. it up. Yeah, as far as your heart, do yeah. you still need to have that in your life, or could you go? You know what? I could be on that RV for I, the next year I, straight and never call in. Can I interrupt for a minute? Because you're asking the question I would have asked before the last assessment. 
before the genius. Mm. Uh, yeah. So you know the answer. So if Deb is a galvanizer and an enabler. And there's mm-hmm. no people around to no do that. Oh, oh my everybody. goodness, totally. Well, she can't and now that. you have more people. Oh. More. And a new person is the best day when a new person comes in. Oh, and there's that. so much more of that at this size firm than in ours. Yeah. Well, see, this is kind of hard to get your head around at first because I, my guess is you have an objective. And you want to move that objective forward and you want to win with whatever that has to do with. None of that matters to Deb. What matters to Deb is that the team moves forward with whatever the team wanted. So for her to win is about the team, regardless of where the team went or who the team was. And when we got that, it's like, holy crap. That's cool though. So, okay. So going back to the transition. So what was it like going, okay, it's time to transition the business or let it be sold or something. I mean, what was the feeling of that? I mean, was it difficult or you, was it more like the boat story where you're like, Hey babe, I think it's time. <laughs> like, yeah, what did that look right. like you guys? Because you had it for over 20 years, right? Yes. And I do remember the day that we really got serious about it. We were in the car coming home from Kerrville, and it was like once it was verbalized, yeah. it was like, this This is what we're doing. I mean, it's the right thing to do. It was like we talked our way up to the point where, oh, my gosh, this is the right thing to do, and we started. Um, maybe it took us 90 days to not warm up to it but get rolling, and then after that it went really, really rapidly. Yeah, it didn't. That's, I think that's the way I kind of operate anyway. I mean, once once the switch is flipped, then you create a plan and you execute the plan. Right. Yeah. And it's done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just Not the way thing, I am. But... There, there's no, <laughs> for me, it's there's no turning back now. Even though it's just in my head and what we've talked about it, but once I've made it out in the open, I'm doing it. Like, there's a reason for it, unless you really can convince me otherwise. And I think that's, that's fantastic with small... Yeah firms one and two people but then as soon as you add people around you somebody else has to be there to help that person get a team on board because that person's typically not the one that's going to get the team on board right they're the ones that are head down working the list yeah so in deb's case you know her mom was struggling at the time and we needed to spend a lot more time with her and i i still feel like the ae business needs to be reinvented i I'm not the person that we've already decided I'm not an inventor. I, I don't know what the answer is, but uh, taxis got overtaken by Uber. Right. Mm. There, and if you go talk to any of your business folks, everything about their business now happens twice as fast for half the cost. Oh, yeah. It does. Except. Yes. Architecture and engineering not and construction. Ours. AEC is weird. Yeah. So on our side, on the design side, I think a lot of the professionals feel like other registered guys, attorneys, accountants, you know, other folks. They, I think they feel like we have more liability with less fees. Mm. And that bothers them. So rather than try to find a way to become more commoditized, and I know that's not for everybody, I, I understand 100%, that. 100%, right? But you either have to be very small and and have a niche and be willing to chase the niche as long as you can and maybe, maybe not identify another one at exactly the right time. 
Yeah. Or you do have to somehow play to the market. And so if all of the businesses that simply want a building of some kind to produce the, the product or the service, and, and they have a budget for that, and you can't get in the budget, then there's a problem. And it just seems yeah. like we are ripe for Uber. Mm -hmm. somebody's going to come into the AE business and figure out how to provide twice as much for half the cost. Yeah. Doesn't mean that those people playing within the business are making less necessarily, just means they're going to find a better way to do that. And so we coupled that frustration with Deb's mom and where we were and said, you know what? I, I am not that guy. I'm not the guy to invent this and reinvent it. And so... I don't know what the answer is. I don't think it's going to happen in the next five or 10 or 15 years. It's, it's just not. But I think somebody's going to figure it out. And that's not me. Yeah. And I'm already in my 60s. So. RV, baby. Well, yeah. Why, <laughs> fight that, why fight that battle? Yeah, exactly. One of the other examples that was just coming out at the time we made the decision was Amazon. You know, mm -hmm. it, was, it was relatively easy to purchase through Amazon. But to Amazon, it wasn't easy enough. Right. So they had to come up with the one click. Yep. Rather than put it in your card and then go to the card and then check it out, you know, they just... Buy it now. Click here. Yep. And, and be here quicker. And I've heard rumors that they're trying to go beyond that. Oh, so I'm sure. So there are these innovators in other businesses I don't see innovators in the AE business. Yeah. There there may be innovators in the design, in, in the visual aspect of the building. Right. But you, the businesses we're in, if you go talk to the business owner that's going to use that building, 99% of those people are not looking for an award-winning building. Architectural statement. They, no. want a, they want a building that's going to function. And right. just cut down on our costs. And so already we're at a loggerhead because the architect wants to come up with a, a very fun building that means something to him and his firm. Yeah. The owner just wants something to chop wood in, right? Yes. And, and so we're already doing like this. Well, there, there has to be some innovation, not only in the design process, but the whole yeah. delivery model from the time that you decide you want a building until that building's on your property. Well, you're mixing the art with the practicality of that thing functioning well. And we don't have a computer designed yet to go, oh, I'm going to think for myself and have a vision, but mechanically make it work good as well. I mean, those are two separate things that, um, you know, until a robot walks around and starts showing emotion, you know, because that's kind of what you're doing when you're drawing a a building in a certain location, I'm sure, city that kind of fits that surrounding or maybe not, but would look great that no one's thought of before. Um, you're taking that and then saying, and it's going to withstand hurricane winds. That's That might be past your lifetime. Oh, yeah. I, I, and mine, <laughs> you know. Um, it, it will, and I'm okay it, with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's more than that. I think it's more than computers. I think it's a yeah. process. I mm -hmm. think it's the entire process from A to B. That's I agree. Be. There's some thinking around AEC that is just sacred cow thinking. Yes. Don't touch it. So. Don't pet it. Don't look at it. We do not talk about it. And by the way, we've even forgot 
that it's moving and walking around like the and, floor and, of our firm. And, and I see it all the time. Like I can sense it and I don't have the slightest and idea. Before, before you know, we leave that, because we're going to beat up two more bottles on this subject. <laughs> yeah. I've got one I want to talk about too. Maybe three. <laughs> there are <laughs> things I think we're doing that are backing up. Like the whole world has gone to BIM. And uh, mm -hmm. gosh, any architect that listens to this is going to think I'm, I'm silly. Mm -hmm. But... What's BIM stand for? Uh, building information modeling. So that would be okay. uh, Revit or some kind of a three-dimensional drafting okay. system. And it, boy, it's just been marketed to the community as the solution. So everything now is three-dimensional and it's mm -hmm. all about coordination between multiple disciplines, which sounds great, but we're putting a lot of work into that for the same money that we were just doing 2D drawings for. Mm. And they will say, well, it's and they're Ooh. saying that it's faster, that I can actually draw this faster, and that there's things that happen automatically, like in a spreadsheet. You know, you don't have to add up every little thing. You can just copy paste some stuff around and it'll add stuff for you. This is what we're doing over here. But I think what you find is that when you give somebody that ability to be more efficient, rather than put that cost savings of time and money in the bank, they say, oh, wow, I have extra time, I have extra money. I could provide this, and somebody will think that's added value. Right, but is I, it? I'm not convinced. Yeah. And, and so if I have the right client and the right building, absolutely. But how about the people that are doing the everyday stuff? The shopping centers, the, the retail buildings, right. the small yes. one-offs. You know, if, if I go to... Parkland or UT Southwest or somebody that has a budget and a and a brand that revolves around a building and a design award for the building. And sure. And complications of systems that need to interface and interact with each other, then I okay, I, I think you can maybe talk me into that. But we see just as many RFIs and failures with the, the BIM models you do otherwise. <laughs> it's, let's go back to boats real quick and I'll probably never remember where I was, but I remember when they first started tying autopilots to chart plotters. So you get a map, if you would, for the water, and you chart out a course on that map, and then you send that to your autopilot, and then you go drink beer and let your autopilot drive you somewhere. Right. It's like a self-driving car. Okay. So this wasn't a sailboat you're on. It was. It was. Okay. Yeah, it's harder to make that work with a sailboat. Okay, I was thinking, <laughs> but wow. they did. <laughs> but he's got the robots on that boat. No, we, we did not do that. My robots <laughs> okay. were, were yes, not the high. Seventh, <laughs> seventh graders and, uh, yeah. So people were ending up in the dirt because they were letting those systems run that for them. Oh, wow. And, right. and we see that now. So the old guys will tell you, I mean, they got to be my age or older, you know, probably 70s. And they'll say, how many problems did we solve at the bar with a pencil and a napkin? Because we can Ooh. sketch, we could conceive of the yes. product, and we're just taking what was in our brain and put it on paper. Yep. The kids today, they, they cannot get past that computer. Do you know it's so interesting? Like, we own a small, you know, stake in a startup, an AI company, and it's it does automate how effective digital marketing is and it's wildly effective. But the interesting thing, speaking to what you're talking about, Mark, is that it cannot replace the back of the napkin thinking, right? So you can't yeah. just set it and forget it because you will still run into the dirt. Like exactly what you're talking about. Like it takes a person, so it speeds up, it speeds things up. 
fabulous. Like you can learn faster and project and model different things. You'll know about But you have to look at the data. Yeah, you have to go, okay, creatively speaking, like now what? what's going to happen and now what? And you have to continue. So it does accelerate the effectiveness of things, but it does not replace the no. critical thinking behind it and the need to steer and think practically about, is this actually accomplishing what we want to accomplish? So, so as we wrap that part up, I, it's just my thought is that it's not a computer solution. It's not, it, it's a whole process solution. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a different thinking about what the client wants. How do I interface with the client? How do I get that to him with the idea that he's going to end up with a building? Yeah. Not individual team players that want a star on their wall for a piece of that that they designed so they could get the star on their wall not so the owner could actually do the service or the or the function that he needed the building to do yeah mm. somebody's coming somebody <laughs> and, and you're happens, right it's going to be like uber yeah and your little taxi cab token is not going to be worth six hundred thousand dollars anymore yeah no. And everyone's going to go, it's so obvious. Yes. But was it? Why didn't we think of this before? Exactly. Only to the inventors. That's right. Exactly. Okay, so what kind of advice would you give to people when you're thinking about whether it's business or the future or anything like that? You know, like as you look back and over, you know, working for people, working for yourselves, working together, deciding to not work at all. I mean, like you guys have chosen so many cool paths. You know, I mean, like, what would you encourage people or what would you say? Do, don't do, wish would have learned this earlier. I, I'm not sure how to answer that. <clears throat> but I do know that I watched um, what I thought was fabulous uh, transition in our company when um, Mark accepted or adopted the fact that he didn't have to be in arms length away from the staff mm. and when he let them in and he went to them and he was more interactive with them I, I honestly think our our lives changed because wow. they were, it was more like a family I mean, you know everybody says family business what that means is a family owns it in this case <laughs> if they spend more time with you during the day if you spend more time yeah. together during the day than you do with your own family it ought to be a pleasant place to be and a kind place to be and a loving place to be. And those are not typical business words, right. but you can be. do it. Yes. Be. You can absolutely live it. And we got, and we got to for a very long time. And I've met many members of your team. And yeah, I can say I saw it. You felt yep. it walking through the halls, even all those years ago. How long did it take him to get his hands off of everybody um, and, and really let he, it go? He, Six months, a year. You mean after, after we left? Yeah, once you left. The separation was difficult. Well, for anybody. Um, yeah. That um, have their, having your babies leave home is difficult. Yes. And have a business yes, for that, over 20 years. That, well, to lose a bunch of them all at once. Yeah. Uh, many of them are still with us, and it is fun every day. Still, yeah. they're gray-haired when they were kids when they came to us, ah. and they're still there. Um, <laughs> But I think as far as Mark walking away, um, I'm going to say it was an easy year. Probably. A year. Yeah. yeah. There was a change. After we had been there a year, there was a change. There was a positive change. And you could just breathe a little better and, and uh, 
No. No, we'd done everything we could do, and they were doing their best. And um, Well, like Mark Vincent, um, he's a consultant in his business. He's had multiple businesses, still does. But his his current favorite work, I should say, is called The Third Turn. It's really where you guys are. So the first turn, what he talks about in business is, he did not use this word, so I'm going to, you know. Paraphrase. I know. Or, but self-actualization, right? Like you're learning you, you're getting into your mastery, you're finding your confidence, you're understanding, I create value inside of me. The second turn is, you know, oh, they've now promoted me. <laughs> now I have to figure out not about how these create value, but how do I help other people create value? And so it's that leadership progression around deciding to be a leader versus a doer or, you know, somebody in deep with their mastery. And then the third turn though is about legacy, right? So it has oftentimes for entrepreneurs has to do with succession planning, what happens, like what stays behind or even what do you do with your money? What do you do with the time now that is not spent in the business that you built? And it's the third turn. Like, where do you go from here? And it's just fascinating. It was he very was saying, in general, he advocates for a four-year transition. Not, not a business sale transition. I don't mean that. Yeah. But like four years from when you start thinking, you know, to going through the change to then restructuring your new life. You know, and I was like... Wow. It's like, probably not a bad average. Mm -hmm. Really? I, yeah. I think there are people on my end of the scale who, in a relative terms, the business wasn't me. It wasn't my identity or my life. Right. Obviously, there is some. I mean, you can't say there's none. But relatively speaking, on a scale, I'm at, I'm at the little end. And then you go, and we talk architects just because that's who a lot of our friends are, that, that are more creative. So when you go to those personalities, I think huge parts of their personal being are their business and their product. Right. Yeah. And those folks, I think, struggle hard. And so to have a four-year average is probably okay because if it takes me a year, year and a half, at my end of the scale, then imagine what it takes those folks whose who's life, you know, their, their outward personality and identity is whatever designs their office produces. Yeah, yeah. If you go to their house, it's it's their stuff that's on the wall. It's, it's about them because they are the business. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we ever, we were never in that mode, never from day one. And I think partly because we didn't want, we were, we were actually, I felt like we were more support staff that owned the company than, yes. than the other way around. So oh, if wow. we were there to really? support the people who were making the decisions and, and That's they would come cool. tell us, here's what I think we ought to do. What do you think? And unless it's a bad idea, I say, let's go for do it. it. Yeah. Because we had, uh, we had such an easy life in our own business because of the people that that ran it for us yeah and right. we had uh, one rule 
one very, I mean, there were obviously design parameters that they had to follow, but we had one serious rule, and that is no surprises. You know, if do not let me find out from a client that, that we have a problem. Yeah. And so there was so what they called the walk of shame. <laughs> yeah. And they would go down the hall, slump-shouldered, stop yeah. by my door and go, I walk of shame. Yeah. And they go down that. and talk to Mark and say, here's what you can yeah. expect. You're going to get a call from so-and-so. Here's what I did. Here's yeah. what I think we should do to fix it. And and if you if you run your business that way, then when you walk away, unless you walk away from the people, you really haven't lost anything we're we're vacating our old space yeah um and we've all combined in one fantastic spot in las colinas with all the local offices in hindsight obviously it's about hiring the right people uh, so hard to do back it's, to the assessments and the it's very thoughtfulness hard. and understanding what you actually need versus what role you're filling oh my Gosh, it's not easy. Okay, so how many interviews did you guys end up at? Obviously a spouse, you know, like a take you to dinner, get to really know you interview. Well, in the but how many total in the when you were finally practicing? when you were finally like we've got it right? How many did you land on? Nine? Wow. Nine. Maybe eight or nine. Wow. Mm -hmm. Now that's interesting because how many I, people on average were you hiring a year? None. <laughs> they couldn't, they couldn't wait. I know it just blew up Kyle's no. microphone. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. It was you two for 20 something years. I'm just so you're, you're talking they have about, a multiple personalities. They're just, I'm just yeah. talking about a firm that on average was 10 to 12 people. And yeah, uh, you know, it was 20, 25 at some point, and it was two at some point. Yeah. But that's what, that's what, especially so, when those interviews are critical because you can't afford to get them wrong. Yeah. No, so not, you're, you're not trying to add five people a week, mm -hmm. although Dave does that and still manages to go through this process. And it's because, and everybody that wants to admit it has seen it, that when you put the wrong person on your team, you can't extract them before the damage is done. And, even, and then recovery is long and, and expensive. And, of course, everybody out here sees the damage, but you're in the middle. You don't see it. And if you're in my chair or Deb's chair, you sure don't see it because there's a bit of a filter coming down the hall. By the time it gets here and you really need to get rid of that person, it, it, you're... The damage is done. Yeah, I'm a car uh -oh. guy, right? So it's about cars. The entire frame's rusted out. Yeah. You, you don't have it's any usually too left late. on the You've piston. held on long wrong. enough. You're like, ugh. And so you you take that guy out, yeah. and you and you you go to the hardware store and you get your rust oleum and you paint over that rust. It's still there. Just yeah. because you extracted this guy yeah. doesn't mean that all the harm he created isn't yeah. still. It will it be there for years. Oh gosh, years. I've made so many different decisions and problems it's already. Hard. It is so hard. You know, I mean, you think you're doing the right thing. You think you're doing tons of interviews. I mean, like I've hired the right culture fit, but then the wrong seat on the bus, yes. right? Um, that was definitely the most heartbreaking and painful for me, but we just weren't big enough. And oh my gosh, I have learned my role in abdicating versus delegating. So that is a big portion of like leadership training that I am trying to be accountable to. And okay, so you guys know Cole is our oldest boy and he's an Eagle Scout. And it was so funny because 
after one of my mistakes, one of my many mistakes, um, you know, the boys have been here for Kyle's business, launching my business. So, I mean, it just naturally, we talk about things. And so I'm talking to Cole in the kitchen and, you know, I said something about, I'm just really struggling with people. And, you know, he's like, well, what's going on? I said, well, let me give you an example. And he goes, mom, (laughs) I mean, come on. Like you can't just train them and let them go. And I go, no, you don't understand. These are very seasoned executives. They're amazing. Like they have done some stuff. He goes, mom, he's like, I can't even train our scout masters one time and expect them to get it right. And they're adults. (laughs) So he goes, it's like when I'm patrol leader and I have to teach a kid how to do dishes at a camp. And then like I, so I sit there and I mean, he takes me through this whole example of washing dishes at a campsite and teaching kids and what he has to do and going behind them and encouraging them. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm taking advice from a 15 year old, and that, it's really good advice. It's good advice, though. <laughs> but it really did. They're it, outside of your forest, and, and it's clear to them. And it, mm-hmm. it was clear. Just he was like, "Plug in. Don't just let them go. They're probably the right person. You are abdicating." And he did not use that word, but responsibility. But it's what I heard, and I thought, "Son of a gun." Like, yes. Okay, but you know, you have you don't know what you don't know or you don't realize what you're not doing otherwise you would do better so and and so it brings us back full circle i mean what what can we do you need to get involved in a a good leadership group not a Mm -hmm. not a wannabe coffee club or beer agreed not somebody uh, that's real leadership group and spend some time in there and invest in yourself you know leaders are readers right yes i I, I was going to say psychologists (laughs) <laughs> because you, there's a mixture between leaders and psychology, hands down. I mean, that's... Yeah, um, you have to be invested in is, people. But it, Agreed. Yeah. But it's based around knowledge. And even now, uh, all of the companies that we're associated with, you can go to the people that run those companies and like, tell me the last book you read. They've either not read it at all or it's something that has nothing to do with business. So you get these phenomenal guys that are reading one and two books a month on leadership and business. And those folks, I think, have a chance. The rest of them are winging it. Yeah. And why learn the hard way? I mean, obviously, it's my favorite way to learn, might, despite the fact that well, I read a well, lot. But We were just but, talking about this yesterday. Oh, what if I didn't? Surrounding yourself with the right people 100%. at a young age. We're talking to or the boys about it yeah. all four of them were sitting around and um we're just like look this is the way it is through life as well it's like when you start i was like we we're trying to surround ourselves around the right people to make the right choices and learn off of them if we're not learning well you guys have already done this that and the other i was like we're in our eyes we're just getting started still i know i was like you guys have seen this your whole lives but i go we're we are learning and that's the only way we are going to learn from other people. I go, it's, you can live and learn, but it's a lot better to learn off somebody else's mistakes. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think most people understand. They don't understand business, period. Mm. Most yeah. people look at total revenue. And they feel like it must be easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, if you're flowing millions of dollars through your business in mm-hmm. a year, then you obviously have millions. Mm-hmm. What nobody understands is that it's not a million dollars, 
because you had 999000 in expenses. So your net number was $1. Yeah. So in our industry, anyway, which is the only one I can talk about, you know, these folks are working hard to get middle single-digit percentages. Mm -hmm. My dad grew up in retail. That's you're, tight. You're talking yeah. 1-2%. Oh, yeah. my gosh. So let's That's go. when you're paying attention of what time you cut the lights off when people leave the store. Oh, I, can't so, I mean, you got to think of that. Let's yeah. go back to leadership. Yeah. If you're, if you're not learning something every day, we're not talking about giant things. We're talking about the ability to hire a person or to understand that this thought wasn't right or to understand what clarity and alignment really meant. This much yeah. of Nuances. a difference in your yes. knowledge might translate to 2%. And if you're a 5% business, that's huge. Huge. That's yeah. huge. Well, and I think people don't think of it that granularly because they're simply looking at this giant revenue flow through their business, thinking yeah. that they've got all the flexibility that they need, and they don't. Because you can wake up tomorrow. I mean, my dad, he's retail his whole life. And his favorite saying was, we're always one day from going out of business. Wow. One day. Yeah. 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 So many small businesses set their revenue goals. Hey, I can't wait to hit a million dollars. Well, you know what? You could hit a million dollars, but you didn't make as much money as you did you last year. And I hear and I see it all That's the right. time. That's right. You paid for that yeah. million dollars because you went backwards. Or whatever. It may yes. Be. Uh, and I'm not calling. I'm calling you out a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, you know how Shocker. smart she is, and I'm not. You know, one of the smartest In people I know. Anyway, <laughs> and, and I'm on my first class, so I'm not just saying that. This just happened about six months ago. We, we, ha we hire fractional CMOs in their contract to us. Um, and it just works out that way. They love it. We love it. This, that, and the other. And we mark them up a certain percent in our estimating. She's like, I'm marking them up X, Y, and Z. And I go, do you know our contract with them is we get a, they get a split off of the total bill. You know I'm cutting this part out of the podcast, right? Well... <laughs> I know, so this but is just between there us. are going to be people <laughs> no way where this you think <laughs> mark up a percentage versus when you take the overall number and then you split it different. And I mean, it changes everything. And I go, this is why our net profits off. You know, this. It well, I was entering the numbers wrong and it was because I'm going so fast yeah. that I was adding the percentage versus adding reverse percent. engineering. Here's the total and here's the breakdown. Yeah. And it was just, I, I mean, yeah. and we're, we're doing really good. We've got a bazillion proposals out there, closing yeah. lots of them. But yeah. yeah, I was just next thing, next thing, next thing. Thank God for people in and their sandboxes. Right. And <laughs> so since we're off the record though, that's, that's it. So if people don't understand that it's single, single yeah. digit percentages, you can't find me a person in the bar that knows what a markup is or an overhead, what we would call an overhead or a general so true. expense. Yeah. So they're looking at that saying, well, you're paying me 10 bucks, but you're billing me out for 30 bucks. Yes. You, must, you must be making a killing. Uh, they don't understand <laughs> where the 20 bucks went to. And even if you yeah. try to explain it, they just go, oh, that's just yeah. a rich guy, like, you know, explaining this away. Like, oh my gosh. That's like, have you guys ever heard of Great Game of Business? 
-hmm. I would love someday to incorporate that into our business. You know, I mean, certain size and certain roles and blah, blah, blah. But there's this one, um, Deborah, are you familiar with it? No. Okay. So I read that book. It's amazing. It is in the workbook and all like the, this. So how do I explain? They gamify how, um, the, your employees see the business so that they understand profit and loss in critical numbers and you are you learn to compensate them and do culture things you would love it like teams games all sorts of stuff to maximize those critical numbers and to unleash it but you teach them business principles and but there's this one um example that they've done before where they are in a gym a huge you know gymnasium like high school gym and they he got cash like and I you know he says it's real who knows if it was but wheelbarrows of cash and it was like this is how much we make every year and they basically did and nobody knew this but it was basically a P&L visually so what happens right like you're in cost of goods sold so they would scoop out the exact percentages of the dollars like bundles of cash like heaps of cash and then and then they get all the way to the end and they're like this is all we get and like the hundred people in the gym are like (gasps) wow we did that um, for this and he was like now look what happens you know and he's moving the numbers and he was like and guess what happens if we decide to split some of this with you guys and like all of a sudden, and they're like, "How do we do that?" Wow. And I'm like, "Oh my That's, gosh, how cool that is that?" That's what drove some of our discussions toward the end when our, they business has just gotten harder. Yeah, you know they've crunched the contractors down so the contractors can't perform like they used to perform because mm-hmm. they don't have the fluff that they had. The AE guys don't have the fluff, so you know, it's just hard. Yes. And so we were having conversations in the house about needing an extra couple percentage mm-hmm. points to the bottom line. So in a in a less fun way in the gym, we spent a month, two months mm-hmm. uh, with me on a whiteboard once a week. That's awesome. Walking through overhead rates and how they got there and what all the expenses were and help them understand where all the money went. It's so so awesome. they could look so at awesome. it and say, if I leave... Because they're looking at it saying, well, what does 5% of my effort mean to the bottom? I mean, you guys are making millions. What's 5% of my effort mean? And then when they get to see that 5% is a huge part of the wheelbarrow, then all of a sudden you're right. In a service business, you're spending so much money on people and they don't realize that they are the biggest investment, you know, and cost that you're making. So here we are full circle. You get the right guys on that team. You give them clarity and direction and give them a little bit of data. They will solve the problem for you. Yeah, yeah. Because they're they're the ones in the forest cutting the wood. They know. You don't know. You're trying to make the business work. You don't know what it takes to cut the wood. What's the last time you picked up an axe? Yes. And like these people, they've got it. And so if if you get the right guys and let them go... We just we have amazing systems that for our business and our clientele, they're not gonna work for everybody, drew the right line between how much data am I collecting and what did it cost and what did I get out the other end as far as accuracy and some kind of profit. Mm. And all of those those systems that other people now look at us and like, how did you guys do that? 
We, we don't did know. Not do it. <laughs> we don't know. The people they in the forest oh, did amazing. that. They would come by us, and obviously, you know, this is where I think the solution is. Do you agree? And I'm, I'm a D. I'm a discerner guy. Not D is in disc. Right. It, when I started, like, I love it. Let's yes. let's. Can you do this tomorrow? No, but I could do it Friday. <laughs> Even so, better, Mark. When I started my first business, I was 26. 27. God, we're, we're babies, babies, right? Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, it's embarrassing, but <laughs> it was crazy. the truth. Uh, you know, I, I just took all my yeah, stuff to the CPA and I would go through and I would get a report once a month and just kind of glare at it and say, oh, I spent this much on this or whatever. All I knew was what was in my checking account, how I'm doing. I would base it off of that and make sure you take care of them, blah, blah, blah. And I ran it that way forever. And then finally, I'd go, I need to learn this inside and out to where if anybody walked in into this table right now and hand down their P&L statement, cash flow balance sheets, I would know what their business is about, what it's worth, and how much it is in the future. That's how much I want to know how to run a business, how to prepare, how to make adjustments down the road, you know, meeting people who know about 13-week cash flows and things like that. I went, you know, and I went, I have to learn this. Like, to be successful long-term, you can't just base everything off of, do I have money or not? Yeah, you, don't, you know, you don't and have people don't understand. Yeah, no, people don't you understand. Just, but you just need the understanding. But I ran you it. You need some tools. Yeah. You yeah. know, you need learning. Yep. Yeah, you just have to dig in deep and say, okay, I'm going to be a, a business person about a businessman about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm Hope like, all right, doing software strategy. audits going, look, uh, we just saved, like you were mentioning, how can we uh, half a percentage just off of software that we didn't need that you just grow adapt to and like, oh, I still have a subscription on this that we probably should change it to something else and what's my insurance? Why is my premiums going up? What, you know, and then you start making a phone call and those percentages add up and that's right. And when you can cut, when you can cut those costs out that your fixed cost, it's just money straight in either your pocket or your employee's pocket, how you want to distribute it. And that's the brilliancy you know. of the, of the wheelbarrow. Because if you tell somebody a half a percent, first off, most people don't know what a percent is anymore. That's right. Yeah. But if they did, there's like, but it's okay on a million dollars. And that's a small business. But come back to the wheelbarrow. We weren't yeah. talking about a half percent left over in a wheelbarrow. You might have been talking 5%. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, a half a percent of that is what, 10%? Now we're talking real money. Yes, yeah. exactly. Especially depending on where it's cut or where it's saved but, or where it's invested. But yes, yes. if you're going to ask the tech staff to be part of that, they need to understand the game. Yep. They do. Yep. And I think that's why the great game of business works. I know. I So it's definitely on the list. But for, oh, it's just, it's so fun. This is right up your alley. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I, it depends on whether I had it in hard copy. I, a lot of my books are audible. Mine, too. I'm like, so I think I have one of his versions in hard copy and the other one. I know I listened to one of them. And on Audible. Because so. people will tell you, uh, you know, leaders are readers. And they're like, well, I, I don't have time to read a book. It's like, how long are you in a car every day? 30 minutes. Yeah. Do you know most of these books you can listen to on one and a half times? 
Oh, and that is the only way and to listen to you can to go through a book. <laughs> that is the only way. You know, I'm only three days just driving to the office. Yes. Don't tell me you don't have time to read. Yeah, absolutely. And you need to be taking a walk or something every day. And you're... And well, if I was the one on the Audible, you could turn it on two and you need a translator. <laughs> Love that Southern accent, baby. <laughs> and and okay, well, I, you know, I'm making business calls. You're going into the office at seven. You're not calling people at seven. Right. Uh, do you work out, you know, uh, at the gym? I, you put earbuds in. I listen to podcasts or whatever it may be. Um, when I go for a run, about 50% of the time I'll run with something in and listen to it. You know, it, it, it's just what you – I grocery shop now usually if she's not with me. If I'm grocery shopping by myself – because I don't talk to people usually in a grocery store anyway. It's kind of weird. And, um, no, it's not. No, well, what? I, I don't know where you shop. I don't want to go there. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to stuff even in the grocery store now. It's um, I've gotten to that point. I don't know if I'm being a hermit or just that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I know what we have to ask them. Are y'all morning people? What time do you wake up in the morning? I get up at 5. I love it. Mm-hmm. I was not that way until maybe 10 years ago. Really? Oh, really? No, I was a the opposite. Wow. And then I discovered morning. <laughs> oh, it's man. amazing. I yeah. love the sunrise. The, the I love the dark and then and watching then, the sun come up and the pink goes to yeah. yellow. Okay, so just ten years ago, what was the I switch? I know, right? I you know what I can't I I don't know that I could say what it was. Just all of a sudden. Yeah. All right, Mark just morning decided. person, night person. Well, out of the two options, definitely morning. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of the day, I'm a noon guy. Yeah. <laughs> the only time I got up at 5 or 5.30 is if that's the only time the pool was available and there was mm. a race coming, then you might have to do 5 or 5.30 to get in the pool. Otherwise, I'm more of a 6, 6.30 guy. Okay. Still pretty Although early, though. now, uh, it's predominantly 6.30 because mm-hmm. I do have some, some routine things that I get done in the morning, and they need to happen before our daily 8 o'clock. But just saying, noting 6.30, you're like, ugh. It's kind of late. It's not super early. Like that's normal for you at six thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are super early. Definitely morning people. Yeah. But um, it's funny because you know out of the six of us, two are night owls. <laughs> so bless their hearts. Because especially yeah. him. I mean, it is four in the morning, and he is. And when he not comes always at, at four anymore, but okay, um, three some days, five thirty other days. Yeah. 6 a.m. is definitely during the week. It usually by six, yeah. But we're also 8 30, 9 bedtime, yeah. You know, I mean, we are D U N done, yeah. Yeah. We normally try for 10 o'clock, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, our our window probably is similar, exactly. But we do have a lot of friends, they're not in bed before 11 or 12. We do, too. We do, we do as well. Um, that's not us. No, me either. I, I, I my mind sleep. works better in the morning. I um, do. You know, she's she like, oh yeah, the, how we'll schedule podcasts is in the afternoon. That way we can work and then do it. I was like, I don't know how this is going to work for me. <laughs> and she goes, what are you talking about? And I go, my mind doesn't work very good in the afternoon. It's like, nobody will even notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, I love conversation and I love people. Yeah, so that's that true. We usually do me, have conversation so. in the afternoons. Yeah. Um, although they're not. You only me and you hear them. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Yeah. It's, sometimes yeah. I think, oh, it's too bad we didn't record this. And then five minutes later, I'm like, oh, thank God we did not record <laughs> this. Yeah. Or the next morning. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So fun. Yeah. I finished the, I turned in the manuscript for my first book. Oh, that's awesome. I know. So speaking of mornings, I mean, you know, I was just like, okay, what do I do in the morning? I exercise and I write, period. And so last week, you know, after I turned in the manuscript, every morning I'd wake up and I'd be like, babe, guess what I don't have to do today? I get to exercise only. <laughs> I am not writing my book today. What did what, I tell you? I was like, so you're starting your next book? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not starting. That's, Give that's me a while. Next week. Well, yeah, yeah. I, but it was funny because like about two months ago, I was just getting burned out. And I said to him just flippantly on a walk with the dogs, I said, well, I know what the next book is. And he was like, no, no way. You do not get to talk about that. You are finishing this book. No ideas. You're done. No. <laughs> so then for him to bring it right back up, I'm like. Some people are born to do it. You got to let them do it. Oh, I'm, so yeah, she is. Well, actually, you're the fire starter. No, he is the one with the yeah. fire behind my behind mm -hmm. going, yeah. Hey, you've always said you're gonna do this. Like, woo -woo, is it getting hot in here yet? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was the business, it's yeah. the book, it's, it's the podcast. I mean, he's the with guy. Her, I'm just like, Do you know what everyone says about writing the first book? Just finishing it. And I'm like, Just finish it. That's what they tell it has you. To be good. And she goes, You know, when no, you're a reader, this has got to be good. This could be my legacy right here. I'm like, no, I have never said that. Literally, but that's what but you're thinking I, about your head. I'm not. Actually, this just needs to be something I that I am proud of. And that's true. And that that's for the true. few I, people that read it. Yeah. You spent too much time and energy not to be Important proud of and helpful to, to, to them. Yes. Yeah. I, I need to do this well. I, I agree with that. I just can't check the box. And there so, are people out there who do write books just And I've read them. those and they suck. Yeah. And I will not have published one of those. Yeah. So, all right. Any final words, any final encouragements that you guys would give in the year 2021 to people about their work and just about living a worthy life, like a joyful, big life? Because you guys have definitely done that. I think I would say that when you, when you get to the point where you let go and you stop doing what you've been rolling through for decades and and you just let it go and watch, watch and look back to what has happened to and what people have done that left you and went on from, from your foundation. That's really, that's all you need when you're done is Ugh. to see what happened to the people who were with you for a while and leave you and and we never give them up I mean when we travel across the country that's who we see is the people yeah. who who worked for us and then went on to do their own thing talk about a well-lived life relationship is, and yes yeah. and it the ripple so effects so letting oh. go is letting go is easy the letting go honestly is easy we're cleaning out our old office and the guy who's doing it is like, is this hard for you and I'm like, oh, you would think it would be but no <laughs> this is stuff. Yeah. That's the people are still out there. Yeah. And we still see them. And it's like moving out of a house, but things. going back oh. and seeing your old neighbors is different. Yeah. Or your family or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think that's been the biggest reward for us is that the people that have left us are in great places and they still include us. Nice. That's awesome. Yes. Absolutely. Well, 
Fratos, thank you so much for joining us. My gosh, this has been so much fun. All right, onward and upward. If you enjoyed this episode of the Corporate Caffeine Podcast, please help us help you by subscribing. I also hope you'll find us on social media. You can follow me, Dacia Coffee, and my company, The Marketing Blender, by searching us on your favorite platform or checking out the show notes for the links. We bring this to you because we envision a business world full of meaning, connection, and prosperity for us all. Until next time, onward and upward.